0: quite a gospel passage, but I'm going to preach on it next time it comes up. (laughs) Instead, of course, we're preaching on Ruth today, Ruth chapter 2. There's a wonderful passage from the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis that you may know. A central character of the books is a lion named Aslan, if you've read the stories or seen the movies. The lion king of the land of Narnia, whom Lewis meant to be an allegorical figure of Christ. the story goes, four English school children, Peter, Edmund, Lucy, and Susan, have fallen through the back of an old wardrobe into this strange new world called Narnia, full of talking animals and ruled by a white witch, where it's always winter but never Christmas. And they hear stories of this somewhat frightening but also strangely compelling lion named Aslan, whom all the animals hope will one day return to Narnia, Banish the White Witch, and rule again as Narnia's rightful king. "'One of the children, Susan, asks her new friends, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, "'about what sort of person this Aslan is. "'Is he a man?' asked Lucy. "'Aslan a man,' said Mr. Beaver sternly. "'Certainly not. "'I tell you he is the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea.' Don't you know who is the king of the beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either either braver than most or else just silly." And he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I tell you this story because our passage from Ruth for this week has an awareness of danger and safety running throughout. Last week, we saw how Ruth the Moabite had committed herself to follow her mother-in-law Naomi to Israel, come what may, in one of the most beautiful and moving passages of the Bible. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. We started to see that the kind of steadfast love, generous loving-kindness that Ruth showed to Naomi, which the book of Ruth calls hesed, involves the kind of faithful, no matter what commitments, that in this life will inevitably involve real suffering and sacrifice. We also started to see that that's the kind of commitment that God in Christ made to us, especially on the cross. And that because of what God has done for us in Jesus, when we follow Jesus and Naomi in the way, excuse me, and Ruth, in the way of the cross, the way of love that's so deep that suffering, betrayal, and sacrifice can't stop it, God takes what we offer up in love and starts to bring out healing and redemption in the world around us. That's what we see in the story of Ruth. And we start to see that redemption taking place this week. And what I want to focus our attention on this morning is how, for Ruth, committing her life to the God of Israel meant, from the very start, leaving behind the safe path of life and taking instead a leap of faith that involved real risk. What I want you to see is that this is the kind of path we are all called to take as Christians if we're going to commit ourselves to the God of Israel, like Ruth did. The God of Israel, like Aslan, is a good God, but he's not a safe God. And a life spent following this God will not be safe, according to common sense, but it will be good. And it will always be one where God provides for our every need in ways that go far beyond our own ability to provide for ourselves. We're told in verse 2 that Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain, behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. It seems to me like Naomi is still in a place of bitterness and listless despair, which we remember from the last chapter. And so all she can muster in response to this is, Go ahead. She doesn't give any advice on where the good fields are, where the family friends are, or Boaz in particular, just go ahead, in the direction of anyone in whose eyes Ruth happens to find favor. As we read on in the chapter, we find out what a moment's reflection would show, that doing this is not a very safe idea for Ruth. She may very well be seen by eyes that look upon her with something much less than favor. We've just been reminded again that she's Ruth the Moabitess, a historic enemy of Israel, Moab, and therefore not likely to be received with open arms by everyone. On top of that, she's a woman on her own. When she finds Boaz, he specifically tells her that she should stay in his field where he's told his men not to touch her. When Ruth gets home and reports what's happened, Naomi tells her to stay in Boaz's fields, Because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. Whether this text was written by a woman or not, it was written from a woman's point of view. And I think we have to assume that when Ruth went out into the fields that day, she was aware of the danger she was in. I don't think the point of the Bible here is to encourage us to do dangerous or foolhardy things for their own sake. Ruth was taking a calculated risk because she and Naomi needed food. Moreover, significantly, they both knew that the law of the God of Israel, the law of Moses, provided that widows, the poor, and foreigners could walk behind the field hands during harvest time, picking up the stray wheat that had fallen on the ground and bringing it home. It was the Old Testament's social welfare system. Gleaning was hard work and you wouldn't get a lot, but... If it worked, no one would go hungry. Part of the harvest was always supposed to be left behind for the poor, widows and foreigners in particular. So Ruth going out to glean as a poor widowed foreigner was an act of taking the God of Israel at his word. It's like Ruth was saying, God's law says that this is how I'm supposed to be provided for, dangerous as it might seem. So, I'm going to step out in faith and trust that this God keeps his promises. It's clear, really, that throughout, on one level, what Ruth is doing doesn't make a lot of sense. It didn't make common sense for her, at least, to leave behind her family and home in Moab, where she would have been safe and well provided for. And it doesn't make sense for a young woman venture out on her own into a stranger's field. None of this was safe. It was not the reasonable thing to do. But her love for Naomi, even though Naomi really had nothing to give her, was deep enough that Ruth had committed to staying by her side no matter what. Common sense would tell anyone that what Ruth does in this story doesn't make sense for her. But Ruth lived her life in a way that made sense only if the God of Israel is real and keeps his word. Ruth had followed the God of Israel, you might say, way out onto a limb, past the point where she was able to protect or provide for herself. Leaving behind the safe gods of Moab, following the God of Israel, had gotten her to a point where she had to rely on God or her very life. The witness of Ruth, I think, shows us that when we follow God out onto that limb, when we take such a big leap of faith that only God can save us now, the God of Israel is faithful. God protects and provides for our every need. Ruth had no idea who Boaz was or where his field was, but she happened upon his field first. Not to be an accident. What she found there was both protection and provision. Not only the meager gleanings that the law of Moses provided for, but part of the harvest itself. Such an enormous haul that when Ruth got home, Naomi basically said, Where on earth did you get all of that? It was enough to provide for them for weeks. The God of Israel under whose wings Ruth came to take refuge, gave Ruth not only protection against danger and provision against hunger, but much more. I think this story shows us something important about what faith really looks like. It can be very easy and very tempting for you and I to arrange our lives as if God doesn't exist as if we can't actually depend on God's protection and provision in our lives. It can be very easy to follow the God of Israel up to a point, but then say to God, mm, "You see, God, some of what you're calling me to do here makes sense. Sure, I'll do that part, but this stuff over here is it's kind of crazy. If I did that, I don't know what would become of me. It's just not reasonable. It's not safe." So, thanks for asking, but God, let's be reasonable here. Faith isn't faith when it's just up to a point. When it's just applying to what's reasonable and safe. The God of Israel, however, is a good God. He wants what's best for us. But he's not a safe God. And the path he asks us to take, like that of Ruth, will not be a safe one. Not all the time. Now, following the God of Israel, stepping out on faith, if we're really relying on him, is going to mean following him out onto some limb, where we need God to show up in our lives and keep his promises. So if you're not out on a limb somewhere, taking a risk, doing something that only makes sense if God is real and keeps his word, ask yourself this morning, do I really have faith that God will protect me and provide in my life? Or am I really assuming that at the end of the day I need to look out for myself? Ruth says to us today, God is real. And he does keep his promises. You only really find out how real he is when you step out in faith beyond all reason and trust yourself to his care. Yes, doing this is frightening. Yes, it's dangerous. But the God of Israel is not a safe God. He's a good God. And he will provide for our every need. Amen.